Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, can we take a moment to welcome all the friends and all the family who are visiting with us today for the baptisms happening directly after service? Come on, let's give them a shout out, Grace Avenue. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being with us. Uh, We celebrate today on Transformation Sunday, those who are being baptized uh, as Jesus told us to be and following in that obedient command to do that, that public declaration of the inner work that God has done. Uh, We celebrate that with you and the new beginning that you are uh, acting out on right now, symbolizing all God has done. Again, let's celebrate that. Can we just give a hand to those who are being baptized this morning, following the plan of God and the purpose for your life? Um, We've been in a series for the last few weeks called Faith Forward. Everybody say Faith Forward. We're putting those two words together. And we've been saying that that is a mindset that as Christians we should be walking in, a faith-forward mindset. And we are distinguishing between those two words because uh, we want people to see that when Jesus said, follow me, he was calling us to two things, a life of faith and a life of forward momentum. A life of faith and a life of forward momentum. And sometimes uh, people come to a place of faith where they follow Jesus. And then they get hit by life, they get distracted, they get pummeled by something that was unexpected, they experience disappointment or setback, and while they remain in faith as a believer, their life stops moving forward. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, somehow, some way, people are holding ground in faith, but their life has stopped moving forward. Other times, people are all about moving forward in life, conquering, building taking ground, going after what's next, killing it, making it happen, getting up in the morning, hitting the ground running. They're always moving forward. But as they live that life, their faith begins to suffer in the background. God becomes, in more ways, more like a side dish to their life than the main focus and the main entree. And so that's why we've been reestablishing that in these times where people's faith has been hit and people's forward momentum for whatever reason, has been hit because of stuff going on in our world. We've been bringing people back to a faith-forward mindset. Faith because we're to believe that God is at the center and the purpose of all things. God is at the center and the purpose of all things. The way we raise our family, the way we live our life, what comes out of my mouth, how I see the world, how I treat people, how I handle my money, how I handle my business, how I handle life. Faith is at the center and the purpose of all things. And forward Because God's plan and purpose is one that is always moving forward. Uh, Jesus is not up there right now twiddling his thumbs wondering what's next. God has a plan. God is moving his plan forward. And God is moving eternity forward. And he's moving his kingdom forward. And he's moving our lives forward. Which is crazy because when you're stuck, God's still moving forward. When you don't know where to go, God's still moving forward. When you get 
T-bone like in an accident in a car and you get dazed and you don't know what's what and who's who and where to go, God still has a plan that he's moving forward. Does anybody feel like sometimes they're trying to play catch up with God? <laughs> where am I supposed to be? Faith forward, it's a mindset we have to keep. And Grace Avenue Church needs faith forward people. And it's people with a, with a faith forward mindset. People that are moving their life forward and moving this church forward and understand that the kingdom of God is moving forward. It's not enough to simply exist or just function, but not move forward. There is no neutral in the kingdom of God. There's no neutral. We're either moving forward or we're not. Jesus was never resting in, in the middle of his purpose, not knowing where he was actually going. He was never praying without not knowing where he was going. He knew what God had called him to, and he knew the purpose of his life was established in his destiny. He knew that the foundation was to be something that he revisited in prayer and then daily took steps of action to see it come to fruition. So even when Jesus was disappointed, even when Jesus was hurt, even when Jesus was gossiped about, rejected, betrayed, and talked about, within him, the kingdom of God compelled him to move forward. What compels you to move forward? What keeps you neutral? What keeps you sitting still? If we understand the Bible at the most basic level, we'll, we'll understand that the world is not supposed to get better and things are not supposed to get back to normal. In fact, things are supposed to get dark. But in spite of that, God's people are supposed to shine brighter and brighter and brighter in the darkness. And love and truth and the life of Jesus is supposed to become more and more and more attractive to those who need him as their Lord and need him as their Savior. Love is supposed to light the way. Truth is supposed to light the way. Jesus is supposed to be more and more attractive to the heart that needs him. And this morning, I want to speak to what you're called to move forward. What God has put in you, what God has put on you. While you're here this morning, maybe it's to visit a friend or a family member getting baptized. Maybe you're a believer. Maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you're someone sitting in the, in the crowd seeking, maybe not seeking. Nevertheless, today I'm speaking from the scriptures and from who Jesus has called us to be and what he's called us to. I'm going to be speaking out of a parable from Matthew 25. Parables in the Bible are often stories that focus on the kingdom of God. In the New Testament, Jesus would speak parables, and these parables had a metaphorical connection to the agricultural life that people knew. So he would speak in terms that people completely understood for the times of the day. And he would speak to their life and their livelihood, and he would speak to their ability to understand what was going on in the economy and things with harvests and shepherds and sowing and reaping. And so they understood symbolically kind of what he was saying, but Jesus still expected them to read into and decipher what he was actually saying. So in other words, he would tell them something that they would leave them going, what does he mean? I don't know. What do you think he means? And the whole point would be that they would try and see him, try and hear what he was saying. Today, I want to read one to you. I want to let God stir your heart. Matthew chapter 25, we're going to verse 14. 14 through 30. It says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. To understand what a talent is, a talent was an amount of, of money. 
We use a talent more like America's Got Talent. That's not what we're talking about, even though that is a talent. We're talking about a specific amount of money that was given to each person. And each person in the story is given something. One five, another two, and another one. And he was given to each according to his ability. And then he went away. So we have a, a master who comes, five, two, one, and he leaves. Verse 16, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22. And he also who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. And here you have what is yours. But his, answered him, but his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and I gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But the, from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And then here's your triple shot caffeine verse for the day. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, good morning to you. How are you doing today? Doesn't sound like a place you want to go, right? Doesn't sound like a very inviting place. A place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, outer darkness. Now, I don't want us to get stuck on the judgment piece at the very end. That's the finality of this man's story. I want us to get stuck into the reality of what Jesus is calling all of us to in the purpose of this parable. This parable has many meanings, but the most important one is that God is, is, that God is a God who holds us accountable for that which he has put in our hands. What he's put in our hands, not just financially, but in all of life. As a father, I'm responsible. As a husband, I'm responsible. As a member of the community at large, I'm responsible. As a pastor, I'm responsible. And in all those things, I'm accountable. So I'm not just responsible in my individualism. I'm accountable to a larger context of the community, this city, to you, to your life. If I mess my life up, it affects you. It affects how people think about this church. It affects how your neighbors or friends that you've invited to this church think about me and Christianity. There's a larger context for all of our lives. It's not just those who are maybe in an influential position or position of leadership. It's for every single one of us who proclaims the name of Jesus as Lord. Each one of us wears that responsibility and that accountability to fulfill, master, steward, 
the plans and purposes of God over our life. In other words, we're about, we're about investing our lives into purpose, not wasting them fearfully. And at the end of this story, that's what the story of this man's life is. That God given one talent, which by the way is still a lot of money. He was fearful. He didn't want to lose it. He was fearful, and I believe it's because he's caught up in his own story rather than being a good steward of what the master has given him. So often we become paralyzed because we're wrapped up in what our life will become or what we think it should be or think it could be or think what others think it should be or how it should be in relation to society. Moms do this all the time with kids. I'm a good mother. I'm a bad mother. Oh, I'm a great mother. Oh, wait, look at that woman. She got up and did three workouts before she made the kids a gourmet breakfast. I'm a horrible mother. I'll never get it together. We do this as men. Oh, I'm great. I'm doing great, doing better. I've got this new job. I've got a career. Oh, wow, he's making more money. Oh, look at how he is. Oh, look at his raise. Oh, look at his career. Look at where he's at. And we tear ourselves down again. So we're in this up and down roller coaster of valuing ourselves according to somebody else's talent rather than mastering and stewarding the talent that we've been given. The money, the time, the energy, the gifts, the skills. And we judge ourselves harshly when if we sat across from someone just like us, going through the same things, we would encourage them and build them up. But instead, we'll look in the mirror and tear ourselves down. We'll beat ourselves up. We'll devalue ourselves in the kingdom, in God's eyes, in people's eyes, and in our own heart and mind. I believe that's where you end up burying your talent instead of building it. That's what I'm talking about today. Build it, don't bury it. Build it, don't bury it. I want to point out some things from this passage. Are you guys doing okay this morning? We good? Number one, he called his servants and entrusted them to his property. He called his servants and he called them to his property. One more time. He called his servants and he called them to his property. He called people that had gifts and talents, his servants, and the things that they owned, supposedly, were really things that were on loan, his property. So the question is this morning, do you see yourself as his servant, or do you see yourself as the owner of your own life? When it comes to the talents and the gifts and the skills and the dreams and the goals and the hopes that you have, do you see them, do you see them as something that you own or something that you steward for the good and the glory of God and the building of his kingdom? The healthiness of this church and this community in your personal life. We live in a world where everyone's stuck in their own personal goals and dreams, asking God to sprinkle fairy dust all over it to make it work, only to ignore the tithe, to ignore sowing, to ignore helping people to throw five bucks here and there. And then we wonder why the world is such a mess when across the nation, for as long as I've been in ministry, tithing has never risen above 20% in the nation, the most blessed, wealthy nation. Yet churches are filled with overfilled Christians, overfed, more Bible studies available on your phone in the next 10 minutes than most people could get in the last 20 years. Yet people will still feed and feed and feed and feed saying they don't have enough. They don't have enough spiritually. They don't have enough. What it is, is it's an overabundance and spoiling of a life that is not stewarding well what God has already given them. How do you view what God has put in your life? How do you view the gifts? How do you view the talents, the kids, the money, the job, the skills? How blessed are you? Do you see how blessed you are this morning? 
in my most depressed and dark states, I've had to rise from the ashes and recognize I was far more blessed than I realized. In the pit, I've had to realize at least I've got a pit to lay in. In darkness, at least I can reach up out of the darkness to try and grab hold of something. I'm sorry, none of you guys have ever been in darkness before. I'm talking to the wrong, the wrong ones. How do you view what God has put on your life? First Corinthians says that you and I were bought with a price. With a price. Anybody pay some bills this last week? And know the price of those bills? Say, Lord Jesus. Help me make some more money this week and next month and this year. Because everything has a price. Your life had a price. You and I were bought with a price. And sometimes people acknowledge the sacrifice of Jesus mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. But then practically in their everyday lives, they see God as the servant to their dreams. They see God as the servant to their goals and their plans. They see God as the genie out of the lamp that should make things happen and turn things on a dime, that there should be no perseverance, there should be no endurance on their part, there should be no sacrifice, and then they wonder why they're depleted and selfish and, and empty on the inside when they've been pulling from God every day, yet giving nothing, acknowledging him in nothing. Not acknowledging, acknowledging him as the gift giver or the talent giver. Not acknowledging him as Lord. Just acknowledging him as the one who should be doing for me what I think is best for my life. Now, I think about that. I think like that in some area of my life at least once a week. God should be on my timetable. Amen? I know you want him on your timetable, but it's really my timetable he should be on. And we all think that way. And it trips us up and we get mixed up and we find ourselves on the side of the road once again questioning, is God for me? Is God in this? Did God really want me to do this? Did God really say yes? Should I really be taking these chances right now? Look at the way life is going. Oh, maybe this is the time to sit back and bury the thing God has given me instead of build the thing that God has called me to. And as long as we talk to ourselves that way, we will stay burying the very things God has called us to build. Look, God wanted to baptize this word fresh right now. <laughs> Number two, the master gave each according to his ability. The master gave each according to their ability. Not equal. Not the same, not what you think you deserve, not what I think I deserve, each according to our ability. When Moses was going crazy with leadership, trying to sort out all the issues of the people, his uncle Jethro came to him and said, you're going to go nuts and you're going to drive yourself into an early grave trying to settle all these problems for the people, especially a lot of the petty people and the petty stuff. Anybody who's leading the team say Amen. You're like, I'm sitting next to him. I can't say it loud. Okay. <laughs> say it in your spirit, brother. Say it in your spirit. And Jethro told him, set them, set leaders over 5, 10, 50, 100, according to their ability. All of us think we're like a thousand person leaders. Million dollar stewards. Five home owning Stewards, 
And God's like, how are you doing with the, the one that I gave you? How's your living room right now? How's your bathroom? Ours is a wreck. <laughs> we got construction going on in the kitchen. But we have a four-year-old, so it's always a wreck. But the master gave each according to his ability. According to their ability, which means there's a lot of time that you can waste comparing yourself to someone else's ability. And there's a lot of life you can waste being upset about someone else's opportunities. Nothing will unseat you more from where God has called you than insecurity. Because next is jealousy. And after jealousy is action that we take in bitterness and resentment. And where does that lead? Regret, isolation, and starting all over again. I see this pattern in all of us. Like this, this, is, this is the pattern that as humans, we see, we covet, we don't like, we don't think it's fair. We decide to get defensive. We move back. We put up walls. We stop talking. Next thing you know, we're by ourselves. We're not answering calls. We're not responding to texts. And then we're alone, and we're broken, and we're angry. And then we point to the sky and say, look what you did. And all the while, we ignored the blessings and the pathways God carved and the health he, got, he gave us and the doors he opened. It wasn't enough for us because we're covetous people. We have covetous hearts. What I'm trying to say this morning is that your ability this morning is your responsibility. Your ability, what you have right now, is your responsibility. And it's about what you can do, not about what you can't do. It's about what you can do. Not what you can't do. Not what you're stuck on. Not what you wish you could have. What can you do right now? Look at the people in Ukraine right now. With a satanic, demonic invasion of evil coming against them. I saw a picture of two people get married and pick up guns the next day to defend their land and their freedom and their neighbors. Civilians rising up, doing the best they can to protect what is in their hands. Come on. Life is not that bad for us right now. And when push comes to shove and you have to stand up and defend yourself and fight, will you fight? Will you fight in the spirit? Will you fight for your future? Will you fight for your kids? You know, God did something in my heart a couple of years ago. I recognized so much of the life that I'm fighting for that I thought was for me is actually for my kids. It's actually for your kids in this church. The fights for this church to get it where it's going, it's for your children and your children's children. It's not about me. And it never was about me. And it's not about you. And it never was about you. And we have to realign our hearts and our minds in this season. While the whole world is shrinking back, burying talent now, the world's bad, the world's dark, this is the time to hide and retreat. We just got to wait things out. No, this is the time to advance the kingdom of God. When darkness is coming in, light should be charging forward. When deception is coming at us, truth should be moving forward. When hatred is coming at us, love should be moving forward. When evil's coming at us, peace and life should be going forward. Church, we got some decisions to make. It's not enough to ask God for more. God says in Luke, Jesus says in Luke, to whom uh, much is given, much shall be required. So often what we're asking for when we're asking God for more is we're asking him for more responsibility, more accountability, more problems. 
Anything more that you have, more problems. Smaller car, small mess. Bigger car, bigger mess. Small house, small mess. Bigger house, bigger mess. One grandkid, a little mess. Five grandkids, lots of mess. One kid with puffs in a little cup, five kids with puffs in little cups. Mess. Crumbs. I, I, I wake up with, with bits of food. My daughter goes to our bed, puts food in the bed. I, I think she literally just gets the food and just throws it up in the air, lets it hit the bed and then leaves. And then I'm waking up with a Cheez-It stuck to my stomach. I'm like, that's not the one I was eating 10 minutes ago. Where did this one? We all have different talents, abilities, connections to people, positions, education, experiences. And these things are things that we steward, whether we're 15 or 85. There is never a time to disqualify yourself because of age. Never. You are not done until God says you're done. Caleb was ready at 85 for another round of battle. Another round of battle, taking a mountain at 85. Where's your mind in this season, church? Where's your mind? Are you canceling yourself out? See, the guy with one talent, he says this to himself. I don't have what they have. I can't do what they do. So here's his responsibility being, being questioned and tested in that moment. So his response is this. I'll do nothing. I'll just do nothing. Instead of doing something, I'll just do nothing. And then this is what the master condemns in the story. Instead of moving something forward, he stays still and he buries the talent instead of building something with it. And there are places in our lives and there are places in this church where people have taken their talents and they have put it on the shelf and say, I'm just waiting right now. It's just me and God right now. I'm just praying about it right now. Okay, well, if that's true, prayer leads us to action. Prayer leads us to greater faith. Prayer leads us to steps. Prayer doesn't lead us to simply rest in what we are and never make any steps. Jesus had to pray, not my will, but your will be done. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, let your will be done. Even in the things that could have stood still, he did not let them sit still. And here's what happens when we take things and we set them on the shelf and spiritualize them with prayer for extended amounts of time. Not a proper amount of time, but an extended amount of time. What we do is we begin to make those things our idols. And those things begin to be the reasons and the excuses why we won't do what God has called us to do. Why we won't be the father we're called to be, the mom we're called to be, the marriage we're called to be, the business owner we're called to be. But I'll come to church and maybe every once in a while I'll give. But I'm doing really shady business over here in the city that I don't want anybody to know about. But it's all good. Nobody needs to know about that. That area is sitting on the shelf. It's just sitting there. It becomes so important to us. And we watch it. And then it starts looking at us. When we get up in the morning, it's looking at us. And when we go to bed, it's looking at us. And we're going throughout the day, it's looking at us. And that thing becomes the hindrance to your life moving forward. And unfortunately in this church, when it's ministry and financial giving and vision and contribution and you being involved in belonging to a community, not just attending a church, 
It becomes a hindrance to the kingdom of God. It becomes a hindrance to ministry moving forward, to this church moving forward. Friends, there's a time to rest in the hospital and rehab and get well and get healed and whole. And then there's a time to take up arms and start fighting the good fight. There's a time to pick up your cross. There's a time to serve others. There's a time to be giving and serving and loving other people. How long will this area, this thing on the shelf, stare at you and be the reason that you won't do what God has called us to do? All of us. All of us. See, here's why. We want life to come at us. We just want life to come at us and to come to us. Can I talk to you all this morning? It's okay? For those of you who are visiting, and you don't have to come back next week. I'd love you to, but you're like, I'm never coming back here again. Well, then I'm going to get it all out today so you enjoy it. Many people just want life to come at them and come to them. Give me the money. Give me the time. Give me the promo. Give me the advancement. Okay, why? Is what you have now being used for his glory? Is what you have right now, are you even stewarding what you have? Are you using what you have? Are you giving off of what you make? Are you doing what you can with what you've been given? If the answer is no, why ask for more? Jesus says to whom more is given to, more will be required. This is the lie of the enemy that we believe, that somehow more is going to make us happier. More is going to satisfy us. All it's going to do is reveal how worse of a steward we are with more than we were with the little in the first place. Come on, moms. Y'all can use this for your kids. If you don't clean your room, you'll never be able to have a house. Come on, sock it to your kids. Give it to them. Tell them. Let them know what's up. They need to know. God expects you to clean this room. Mom's going to get an amen. Do you remember when you would go to people's houses back in the 80s and maybe some of you are older, but at least in the 80s and 90s in my childhood? You go to people's doors, you knock on the door, and then you run with a pack of your friends, and you get out of there as fast as you can. They didn't have ring doorbells, so you can get away. They had guns, but, you, you know, you would just hear the shotgun blast and run off. But you would knock on people's doors. But you would see doors that had a sign that said, no solicitors, no solicitation, which means what? I don't want anything. Whatever it is, I'm not interested. Don't bother me. How many of you are those kind of people right now? Like, you're like, don't come to my house and knock on my door. And what did that mean? What did that sign mean? That sign meant someone had decided already in their mind, I have a vision for my life. I have a vision for my money. I have a vision for where I want to go this week and this month and what I want to do with my time. And whatever it is, I'm not interested because I'm building something. Imagine if we as Christians had that kind of resolute mind, that resolve within us, so that when solicitation comes with distractions and counterfeits, we wouldn't entertain them at the door for a while, wasting time when we should have a clearer vision of what we're already called to be spending our time, energy, and money on. See, this is, this is why I have to go to the store with a grocery list. Because if my wife doesn't give me the five things I need, that we need, I will come out with 250 to $300 of stuff that we need, in my opinion. But forgot we're going out of town next week and we'll have to figure out a way to freeze it or whatever. Are you with me? When you have a clear vision of what you're building, you don't take on the counterfeits. You don't take on the unnecessary. You don't take on other people's drama. There are some people who are so immersed in the drama of everyone else 
to the detriment of their own focus and life. It is one thing to be empathetic and compassionate and loving to people who are in need. It's another thing to let their drama swallow up your life and become your life. If your day is destroyed because someone else's life is unhinged, how long will you allow that to go on? Someone else's dysfunction. See, at some point, you have to pump the brakes. You have to say enough is enough. Like, I have to move my life forward. I have a responsibility to God. I have an accountability to God. I have to do something what I've been given. What keeps confusion and laziness and regret and counterfeits from knocking on your door? Decisiveness. Decisiveness. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to ignore the pain or the disappointment or the setback or the hurt or the letdown that maybe you've been through. But I am going to say at some point, decisiveness has to happen. A decision has to be made about what God has put in you and about who he's made you to be and what you are going to do with the rest of your future, the rest of your life. The rest, for some of you, just the rest of this year because you're at a standstill. And the state of indecision does not move you forward. In your mind, there's motion, but there's no forward direction. Just because you've thought it forward doesn't mean the step has been taken. The action has to come after the prayer, after the faith. The state of indecision also does this. It gets you out of your rhythms and routines. Right? You stop working out for three months, you feel it. There's Pastor Corden. He hadn't worked out in three years, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> You're looking good, Courtney. You've lost some weight. I got to tell you, man, you were looking slick these days. God is good. Amen. <laughs> the state of indecision convinces you that you have motion, but you're actually just thinking about it. And we're paralyzed by fear. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Look at what God has given you. God has not given you a spirit of fear. What are you building? What are you trying to bury in the season? God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control. Here's the third thing. It says they went at once and they traded and made more. Okay? Think about this. They went at once. The master gave it. They went at once. God didn't tell them what to do with it. And God didn't give them the same amount. This is often where people get stuck. God, what do you want me to do with it? What do you want me to do with it? God, I didn't get what they got. I don't have what they have. I can't do what they can do. But they didn't get stuck in prayer meetings of indecision. They didn't get stuck. They took a next step and they moved it forward. Everything God puts in your hand is a seed Everything. I'm amazed at the people over years and years and years that will look me in the eye and have little to nothing but a seed of hope and faith in their hand, and they will turn that into something incredible. People that come from nothing, people that didn't have a background of, of faith or Christianity, people that didn't come from a healthy home, and they've decided enough in their life that the seed of hope that they can see right now is enough to move them forward because they're not going backwards and they're not staying here. And by faith, God ushers in the winds of the Holy Spirit and favor to blow the wind of favor on their life. And people say, oh, man, they're just lucky. They're so lucky, man. <laughs> Look at what happened to them. Well, I guess just things happen for them, but not for my life. Well, I can't promise that it will happen over your life, but I can promise you this. You're still responsible for the seed in your hand. You're still responsible for the kids. You're still responsible for the dream. You're accountable to God. You're accountable to this community. You're accountable to God's church at large. 
Now, if you want to believe the American dream that we all live on an isolated little isolation island and we can just live prosperous and do what we want and just plant a flag in our own life and say, this is my life and my future, we can live in that illusion or we can trust that what God says is that it's a far bigger life we're connected to and that there's an answer someday we give to the master for what we're called to. See, short-sighted people just devour the seed that's in their hand. Short-sighted people just stare at the seed. They just contemplate the seed. But forward-thinking people know, I'm called to multiply this. I'm called to multiply this. Forward people, forward-thinking people take action with the seed. What am I saying? You can't tightly hold on to what God has given you to do and made you to be and expect God to move your life forward. Am I getting through to you this morning, church? Am I breaking some walls down? May God help you see in an area of your life right now where you're holding on to the seed. And maybe for some of you it's a seed of disappointment or a seed of resentment. But I'm telling you, there are seeds of hope and expectation in your hands as well. And you've got to sort out what's what and you've got to decide what you're going to do, who you're going to be. Who's going to keep knocking at your door distracting you from what God has already called you to? Here's the fourth thing. It says they went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Went and dug and hid it. Okay? There are places in our lives where we would rather dig and hide than get out, go out, and move something forward. That's exactly what this man did. He's not doing anything different than we do as human beings, than we do as Christians. Things we know we need to talk about, but we'd rather not. Things as married couples we need to address, but we don't. You know, the, the saying goes that by the time the stats come out, by the time people get to counseling for marriage, it's six years beyond when they should have started in the first place. That's how stubborn we are. Six years behind the curve. Six years behind the curve. See, there's time knocking on our door. And Jesus didn't set us free from the grip of sin and hell and death for us to bury what he has placed in us. He's called you to build it, church. He's called you to build it. I'll call the team up here. We're going to close out. There's more in you than you realize. There's more in you than you realize. This, guys, this is, not a, this is not a hype sermon. This is not to, to hype you up. I, I hope this brings some, some sobering reality to the preciousness of life and the seed in your hand. I hope this really stabilizes some conversations and some decisions and some thoughts that you need to make about the future. I hope that you pray about things, but I hope at some point you stop praying about things so passionately until you've taken a step and moved something forward. I hope that you don't just pray the word, but you obey the word. And I pray that when you get stuck, that you don't stay stuck, that you refuse to stay stuck. Because that's what will make all the difference. See, we often forget that problems and challenges, disappointments and setbacks come to five talent people, two talent people, just as much as one talent people. And we think that five talent people and two talent people must be or have an easier life. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what their marriage is like. You don't know what their life is like. You don't know if they struggle with depression. You don't know if they're addicted. You don't know what they're going through, but you'll judge. And then you'll covet. And you'll get your mind off track. And you'll ignore the seed in your hand. 
This is why you have to stay connected to the word of God, why you need healthy people speaking into your life, why you need community. This is why it's not about attending church, but about belonging. Who I belong to can speak into my life. If I see myself as a volunteer, they're lucky to have me. If I see myself as a servant, I'm here to do the master's business. And that changes the way I see things. It strips the selfishness out of me. And it brings me down to the base level of decision-making about my life and my future. And I, people see me for who I am. There's vulnerability. There's opportunity to talk to people. Someone can look in my eyes and say, you're getting this one wrong. And instead of cutting and running, I can say, maybe you're right. I'll need to pray about it, though. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, the purpose in our hearts is like deep water, but a person of understanding will draw it out. The purpose is deep within you. It's not going anywhere. It's in there deep. And you need people of understanding to help you draw that out, which means open your ears, open your eyes, close your mouth, rest your heart, become vulnerable. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, spend time with the Lord, drop the defenses, drop the pride, drop the stubbornness, let humility rise, stop being the king of the castle or the queen, stop being the master of your own destiny, start leading from a place of humility, God, let your purpose in this deep water of my life and my heart be drawn out by you and the voices that you send into my life, see, are there, there are things you can't see about yourself that others have to help you draw out. And there's, there's things about you that you have to sit with God in and let him draw them out in time with him. Last point is this. The master comes. The master of those servants came and he settled accounts with them. He settled accounts. He said, all right. What did I give you? What did I put in your hand? made you a friend. What did you do? I made you a business leader. I gave you talents. I gave you money. I gave you opportunity. I gave you health. I gave you a mind. I gave you dreams. I gave you goals. I gave you hopes. I gave you seeds. I gave you opportunity. I opened doors. I paved some ways for you to make some steps. And then you have to answer them. I have to answer them. We have to answer it in multiple areas. And it comes back down to that question there that he's this question that I'm about to ask you here, it comes down to how do you view yourself? Because you see yourself as the victim forever in every area. It'll bleed over into every area. And this man saw himself as unworthy, invalid, fearful. Yet God held him to the same standard as he, as he did the others. We've got to let go of the excuses. Amen. There's something in all of us. Our kids need it. This church needs it. Across the nation, 40 to 50% of people are not even going to church anymore. Do you know how the church has been affected financially by that? Little to nothing. Which means what? It means half the people weren't even giving in the first place. They didn't have an impact. They floated in. And the storm came and they floated out. Some for various reasons, some valid, but most not. 
That's an accountability thing. The Bible says in Acts that David served the purpose of his generation and then died and was buried with his ancestors. We serve the purpose of our generation as his church, and we answer for that. I want God to say about me and you like he does to the ones of five and two, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Amen. Let's believe that in Jesus' name. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? The Lord is with us. Let's stand. I want you to do something a little bit symbolic here. I'd like you to take this moment. I want to you to do something with me. And don't be stubborn. Just do it. Do it for your kids. Do it for your kids' kids. Do it for your future. Do it for the things you can't see that God is sending your way. I want you to put your hand out in front of you. Come on, everybody close your eyes so you don't have to stare at each other. It's just you and God. One hand, both hands. Depending on how much faith you have about the seeds God has put in you and the things God has put in your life. I want you to see those as seeds. I want you to Envision that, that maybe they are just right there symbolically sitting in your hand and that the master has placed these things in your hand. The marriage, the life, the kids, the money, the talents, the dreams, the goals, the hopes, the things that you don't even know are coming that he's going to place in next week, next year, five years from now. Opportunities that will come, relationships that will come, uh, doors that will open, provision that will make its way. I want you to see those seeds. I want you to to close your, close your hand like, the, like it's stuck in the palm of your hand, like you got a grip on it. I want to encourage you to tell Jesus right now, this is yours. Say again, this is yours. This dream is yours. My hopes are yours. These goals are yours. The kids are yours. The future is yours. My mouth is yours. My eyes are yours. My heart is yours. My ears are yours. Speak, Lord. Let me see. Let me speak. My mind is yours. Let me be decisive. whatever area you've been allowing for whatever reason and hear my heart on this by no means am I discounting what you may have been through I don't know but I'm telling you as a human being and as a man I have suffered some incredible losses and learned over the process of time I serve a God who's a healer and I didn't feel it at the time but I stayed the course to see my healing through. You've got to make some decisions. It's time to be decisive. Lord, I bless the seeds of greatness in the hands of your people. Lord, I speak favor and honor and blessing over the seeds that they would multiply and give glory to the kingdom of God. 
Lord, that it would build wealth, that it would build hope, that it would build dreams, that it would build lives and livelihoods. God, that we would see a line drawn in the sand for some people right now where from this day forward, the enemy will not wreak havoc in marriage, through addiction, through anger, through resistance, through suicide, through depression. God, that you would see your hand and we would see your hand. Bless the seeds and the harvest that is to come. Lord, I speak life and truth. No more solicitors, no more counterfeits, no more fake relationships, no more drama, no falling for the old bait. But God, instead, people seeing the truth of the situation. Help them to build it, Lord, not bury it. Let them build it in Jesus' name. Every dream that would come to fruition, let it glorify you in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, 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 amen. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.